Hey, hon, why don't you go ahead and pray and open up? Okay. Lord, I just pray that you would come right now. And as we talk about difficult things today, as we conclude this topic of the vow, mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that you would open every heart that, that hears this podcast, Lord, and you give grace. I just pray for grace on mm-hmm. every single person and couple. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, everybody, and Hi welcome uh, to another episode of Marriage Matters with Ken and Shar. I'm Ken. I'm Shar. And it's great having you in. So uh, let's get right to it, babe. Yeah. How you doing? You good today? Yeah. Weren't you going to talk about the little interruption? Oh, okay. I'm glad you're, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of glad you reminded me. Okay. So this is my highly public apology for interrupting <laughs> my wife during these episodes. Uh, I do the editing and um, am learning how to do the editing. And I, uh, I, she had said, you cut me off a couple of times. I said, nah, nah, I didn't do that. And, and editing back, it's true. I am guilty as charged. And so starting tonight, Charlene said, you need to say, I'm sorry. So here it is. I am publicly so sorry because it's true. I can't keep my trap shut. Well, the thing is, is Kenny, you know, he's a teacher, so he does like to talk a lot. And sometimes I have some things to say too, but I'll start saying something and then Oh, it gets my mind going. It gets his mind going. And so he just like cuts me off, acting like I'm not saying anything. And it's hysterical. I've been telling him that for a long time. But I think (laughs) we, as we recorded it, it was wonderful for him to actually hear that I was right. Oh, hearing it back in headphones, (laughs) it's bad. It is really bad. We don't want to take a lot of time talking about that, but we just thought that was... So there it is. And yes, hopefully yes. I will get better and better. If hopefully we're going to get better yes, and better yes. at this thing. So, But we're so glad that you've taken the time to mm-hmm. listen. We're really excited. Uh, I think this episode, as we wrap up the vow, this is the third part. I think this episode bears with it maybe certainly as much, if not more weight, don't you think, than any of the previous episodes? I think so, because we're talking about the time factor Mm. in a vow. And these are difficult, really difficult sayings in today's world, especially. It's not popular. Yeah. It's not. Oh, uh, it's archaic. I mean, it it is. It's archaic. And even speaking about them, we know that there hopefully won't be anybody that takes offense. No. But we are talking about what Jesus said here. Sure. The the component we're talking about is the time element of the vow. Right. We've talked about the first two components mm-hmm. of that m- m- wedding vow Right. for us 46 years ago was the behaviors that we each promised each other to love, to honor, and cherish. The second component is under what conditions. And we said for better, for worse, for richer, for poor in sickness and health, which is, again, a poetic way of saying really through everything. Through everything, right? Good and bad, all of it. I promise to behave this way. And then we wrapped up this massive promise, all of us or most of us who had what you think of a conventional wedding and a vow, with saying, until death parts us, right? Right. So what we're saying is that we we made this big promise and it would last our whole life. We What we did not say what we didn't give any indication of is that this vow was temporary while convenient or until something better came along or until I didn't feel like fulfilling my vow. We, we gave no backdoor 
no way out. It, we sealed up that promise with a declaration that you can count on me until one of us goes to be with Jesus. So it's a massive promise, right? Those are big, those are big words. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And like we've said before, I was 19, Charlene right. was 20, right? Mm -hmm. I was 20. And I think both of us would confess, we had no idea that we were speaking something that was so crucial that we should have understood it, but I didn't. It was mm -hmm. just a poetic thing you do at a wedding, right? I had no idea that that vow should have instructed my life from that day on. It does now. Mm -hmm. Now it's something we both take really seriously. Both or all three of those components, the behaviors, the conditions, and certainly for how long. Now the reason, let me just rehearse for a minute. The reason we, we, we bang on this stuff so hard with couples that we are privileged to counsel and here in the podcast is because we've noticed over the years that God's people, the professing Christians, have very little, th really, theology for marriage. Right. This is more of a teaching to change, instruct your mind, right. not to change your mind, right. but so you know what you think and right. to help change your heart through knowledge of your mind of what God's Word says. Yeah. The, the, the bottom line is if we build a biblical framework for how He designed marriage to be, and we believe it, mm -hmm. we understand it, we search the scriptures, and mm -hmm. then then we decide together as a husband and wife, we're gonna we're gonna build this house according to its designer, right? right? By design, uh, then we have a just this massive opportunity for this huge blessing of a life. And what's so awesome about it is the Holy Spirit works in couples' hearts, in married couples' hearts when they really believe this. Mm -hmm. They believe what the Word of God says. They want all of what God wants for them. Then those two together, they can achieve this. Yeah. It's with the Holy Spirit's help, you can nothing's impossible with, yeah. God, with, yeah. with God. It, it's you can do it all. Yeah. And with his help. And because he's the one who can do the work. Yeah. So it's not up to us. It's just us to believe it and to Ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what he says he's yeah, going to do. Amen. What he will do. Awesome. So, okay, let's get right to it. Okay. We right before we sat down to uh, do this episode, we were talking about the 23rd proverb in the 7th verse. It says simply this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. That is so true. It is boy it is. This is why this issue of the time that Simply put, your marriage and mine is permanent. Mm -hmm. It's not temporary. It's permanent, right? So that simple truth, as simple as that is, and easy, easy as it is to say, flies so counterculture today. Especially in today's world. Oh, it is completely temporary mm -hmm. in the minds of the world. And, and it is utterly tragic when a professing believer comes into marriage um, without a deep abiding sense, this is for my life. In other words, even in its toughest moment. And again, we, we feel like we need to say, we talked about this too, didn't we, hon? That we're not talking about marriages that suffer from serial adultery, abandonment, abuse, those things. We're just talking about marriages that struggle or even end so many in our world today 
without abandonment, abuse issues, and serial adultery going on, they they just move on. They fall in love with other people. They decide I'm bored. I'm, I, I don't like the, like my life anymore. So we're we're talking about that kind of stuff. Now, those other circumstances, and we've counseled many of those, there are times where we get a victim out of that situation. And we do not believe ever that it's God's design for a person to be abused that way or suffer that kind of indignity. So we do get them out. So don't think we're talking about those situations. Again, the reason we go out this pretty hard, this time element, the, the permanence of the marriage vow is because if you can think that way, it changes the way you behave. You work through your problems. You don't have one foot out the door. You don't give up. Right. You get the help you need. You cry out to God. Mm -hmm. You realize we're in deep weeds here. Lord, you must come and visit us and aid us and help us. And you get help from other Absolutely. others. Yep. God hasn't left you here all alone to face all your struggles by yourself. Right. That's one thing that we know with working with people for so many years. Sometimes you just need some encouragement. You just need some people to come alongside you. You need to be vulnerable and say, hey, we're eating it. Well, that couple might have been eating it too not yeah. long ago. Yeah. And they've got some um, wisdom for you. Yeah, God hasn't left us here alone oh. to try to bang out this marriage life all by ourselves, Yeah, which is so awesome. Well, and that's that that's really what, what this podcast was birthed is. out of, is, it is. It, it, an aid to people, encouragement to people. Right. It's just uh, an encouragement yeah. that there's help for you. Amen. So I love that about the Lord. Okay. So let's talk about, let's get a biblical foundation okay. underneath this real quick here. There, this permanent nature of God's design for marriage. That truth is whispered in the very beginning, all the way back in Genesis chapter two, verses 24 and 25, where it says, for this purpose or reason, mm -hmm. uh, or really the translation could be because of that, God had just brought the woman to Adam. He had just yeah. said, this is bone of my bones mm -hmm. and flesh of my flesh. And then, and then it says this, because of that, a man shall leave because it's awesome, because it's designed by God. Two mm -hmm. is better than one. Because of that, it says that a man will shall leave father and mother, be joined is the word it uses there to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh miraculously by God's work, God's design. So you see it whispered there, and it's whispered in that word joined. Mm -hmm. That's the key word in that phrase that instructs our heart that that union, two becoming one, is permanent. It's not disposable. It's a work of God and it's permanent. The word joined there is, again, written in the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. It's, the word is debak. And it's translated different ways in different translations of the Bible. The King James has it cleave. You've heard that old, right. you know, a man cleave. I never really knew no, what that was. <laughs> so we, we don't talk like that anymore, <laughs> do we? But, but, but to cleave, right? The ESV and, and other translations have it shall hold fast to his wife. And that's a great translation of that word. That translation goes all through the, the ESV and the New King James Version. It was really interesting because as I started to kind of poke around at that word and kind of do a little bit of a deep dive there, I realized that, that throughout particularly the book of Deuteronomy, when God is exhorting his people, Israel, about their nature, the nature of their relationship with him, that's the word it used. If you 
cleave to me, if you debauch, if you hold on to me, hold fast to me. So the, the reason I bring that up is to say, okay, if in the scriptures that word is used to describe the nature of my permanent relationship with God through Christ, it's permanent. My name is written in the Lamb's book. He said, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. If it uses that word to describe my relationship with God through Jesus, then I have to look at my marriage with the same weightiness, the same gravity, mm, that true. it is that permanent. Mm -hmm. It's as permanent as Christ's commitment to me. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So so this is, this is big stuff. It, in fact, through the scriptures, the relationship between a human being and Christ is portrayed for the world to see in marriage. That's one of right. God's design for it. So it, if it's if it's temporary, if it's oh, disposable, <laughs> then it's not going to be much of, no. of a picture, well, it's not a picture of, of the redemptive work of right, God right. in my life as it's a Christian. Very true. Right. Yes. So it all kind of works together. So th this is this is permanent. So it's whispered there very early on, two chapters into the Bible, we see that this is permanent. Right. The thought of permanence is made even clearer in the New Testament by Jesus Himself. Let me. This this is the big truth bomb for us in this episode comes from Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to begin reading at verse three. Let me just read this and let okay. it, let it settle in. And the Pharisees came up to Jesus and they tested him by asking, here's the question. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, let me interject here. The reason he did that is there was two schools of thought by the rabbis. Israel was divided mm -hmm. down the middle. The Jews mm -hmm. were half believed that the, one rabbi was teaching that, yes, for any reason, she burns the pot roast, you can cut her loose, right? The other half, the more conservative school of rabbis, believe no, only for the, in a case of adultery, is divorce allowable, right? They believed in the permanence of marriage. So Jesus, here's Jesus's answer to that question, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Here it goes. And he answered, have you not read and so he quotes scripture, which I love, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. Then he said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother, hold fast. There's that word. Mm -hmm. He quotes Genesis chapter two, hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. And then he wraps up his thought with this. What therefore God has joined together let no man separate. I love that. In that, if there's ever any question about the designer, how was my marriage and yours designed to operate with an, a complete sense of security? Because two people entering into it understand it's permanent. Nobody's heading for the back door. Nobody has one foot out. Yeah. Well, I just want to, I've really never thought about marriage that way in my relationship with how God has accepted me and taken me and it's permanent. It's permanent. And I love that man can't separate me from God and man shouldn't separate right. me from my husband right. or, you know, right. from your wife. Well, and yeah. I, I really love that. I've never thought of it that way. That's yeah, awesome. Until tonight. This yeah. is awesome. The, uh, we were talking about it also that if that's true, that only God can make one out of two, 
and he designed it, then how arrogant is it Mm -hmm. of humankind to think that we can undo on a whim um, with legally filed paper or not? I mean, that we can undo the miracle of two becoming one. It's uh, it might be one of the most prideful and arrogant things that a person can do to flippantly walk out and break that covenant, mm-hmm. break that vow that again, for God's people, for the church is supposed to be a picture on earth of the union between a person and Jesus, that it is indissolvable. It's and, 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 the, and the reason that we're even going here is because this is what scripture says. Yeah. This isn't what we say. It's not on our authority. And we know these are difficult sayings for a lot of people. And we have compassion and empathy for people. And because we walk through hard things with a lot of couples. But this is what God's design is for marriage. Yeah. And it's not to heap uh, what guilt of some past broken brokenness Mm -hmm. in a person's life who might be hearing this. That doesn't do anybody any good, but it is to adjust our thinking now. Right. Again, because as a man thinks, so is he. Right. Your behavior is going to be radically determined right. by what you believe. And when you believe exactly. entering in that this is the nature of this covenant, it is permanent, then it's going to change, again, the way you resolve conflict, the way you operate in mm-hmm. general will reflect nobody's going anyway. We work through our problems. We don't run from them. Right. Right. We don't run away from them. And that relationship between God and man is based in his unconditional love. And we are sealed up in him in a redeemed relationship through an unbreakable covenant that was made through his blood Mm -hmm. as he purchased us. And earthly marriage is to somehow represent that same unconditional ceiling that is unbreakable. Right. So this is really, I, I don't know that we can overstate, I know we can't, we can't overstate how important it is to get a right theology for marriage. And, right. and, and if to even approach a right understanding, I think has to begin with the permanence of this marriage covenant. Mm-hmm. And it's where the, the world has drifted. Our world has drifted so far from this that in its drift, in its in the wake of its gradual drift, it has caught up, we fear, many believers right. that just have not thought through this. And so, by the way, this is what we teach our premarital young people getting mm-hmm. married. We would teach this to a second marriage of someone in middle age entering into a second marriage. But this is the truth. This is you promised three, there are three components. Again, let's mm-hmm. kind of turn a corner, start wrapping up. You promise how you behave in ways that make your spouse feel loved, respected, and valued, right? And you promise you do that through every circumstance, and no matter how hard it is, no matter how, what it costs to you, they could count on you to behave those ways. And then lastly, you said you, they could count on you not for 10 years, not for 15 and not certainly till something better came along or you got bored, but till one of you leaves this world and goes to be with Jesus. It's based on that unbreakable, unconditional love covenant that we make when we speak that vow. 
right? I'm a, I know, let's just wrap this up. I'll just share very briefly from my life when my mom and dad lost their marriage when I was five or six years old. And it radically affected my life mm-hmm. uh, in so many ways, not having my dad a very much part of my life when I was younger, uh, raised by a single mom. And uh, and I, I kind of ran amok and didn't have anybody to really teach me right and wrong and was caught up in a lot of things. So th- that breaking of our family through uh, the loss of my parents' marriage really had its effect. I was thinking about you, Sean. You grew up in a really strong Christian household that loved Jesus, and and I didn't. How would it have affected you? I mean, you grew up with a with a deep faith by the time well, you were seven or eight years old. Can you even imagine how would no. it have affected you if your parents would you have? You know, I, I often thought about that as I was growing up because I loved my mom and dad so much. I loved our family so much. And the security that I had in my family was not just because we love God. It was because my parents loved each other and I knew that they weren't going anywhere. And I remember when I was a little girl, one time they got into a big fight. Well, to me, it was a big fight, but my mom actually got back into the car and she wouldn't sit in the front with my dad. And she sat in the back with us. That's a bad fight. That was horrible. (laughs) No one really said anything, but I knew they were really ticked off at each other over where we were supposed to go eat. But I was about nine or 10 and I cried the whole way home thinking my parents didn't love each other anymore. And mm. of course, that wasn't true. My my parents weren't going anywhere. And I think as a l- young child, I needed the security mm. of knowing that my mom and dad were permanent. Did it, did it feel like that security was being shaken? Well, for about a day. Yeah. Not even a day. But still, I realized it, it affected me greatly. Here I am, decades, decades later. And I can oh, still, still remember yeah. vividly that shaking of just what if they weren't wow. permanent, and it has a you know this has an effect on all around you. It does this 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 fact of permanence or not. It does. So it, it does. It's it's funny. I think I don't know how I would have reacted. I'm sure God would have gotten me through definitely. Oh, yeah. He's a redeemer. So well, it's a big deal. We. We scratched only the surface mm-hmm. in this episode uh, concerning what the Bible has to say about the permanence of the marriage vow that you made, that I made, the marriage covenant. So uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it, that it's made you think a little bit, and at the very least given you a desire to s- search the scriptures that you can might build a mm-hmm. strong uh, theology for what marriage is and what it isn't. Yeah, and and, and bear with us through all of our little foibles that we <laughs> that we go through on this podcast. It's a fun thing to do, but um, we're having a great time we're new chatting at it, with and you. This is fun. <laughs> all right. So let's be resolved. We were thinking today that uh, the, the, the conqueror Cortez, when he came to, to Mexico is the one that had his ships burned. He said, burn the ships because there's no going back. Some of his soldiers he knew wanted to go back home. They were exhausted and tired and worn out. Mm-hmm. They had a, massive task ahead of them that was frightening to them. And uh, he said, burn the ships. There's no going mm-hmm. back. So I love let's, that. let's think the same yeah. way. Let's be resolved, family, mm-hmm. to work it out. Let's close the back door. Right. Let's burn the ships. Yeah. 
and let's trust the Lord. And let's see what he can do. Oh, amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. God bless you, family. Mm -hmm. We love you. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.